hey, before I get into this, I got to say, I got to be really careful of this because I fell apart when I just, in rehearsal, thank you. I made it like 30 seconds, didn't I? So thank you for your prayers for my family over the last three weeks. Uh, my dad went to be in heaven a couple weeks ago, and um, the only way my family made it through it, my mom's make it through it, is a lot of y'all are praying for it. So thank you for that. And then we we'll, won't talk about that anymore. All right, so that, the timing of today is really, really interesting. Because I, I, I've been stuck out on this farm for the last like three weeks, all right? And, and so one day, uh, after my dad had passed away, and then you have a week before you know, that and the, and the funeral, you're like sitting there going like, what do you do? So, so I'm sitting at my mom's dining room table and I pull up my computer and, and I'm going to look at some stuff and uh, a document popped up and it was the preaching schedule that Scott and I worked out several months ago uh, looking ahead. And, uh, and so it popped up and I thought, well, what am I supposed to preach on when I get back here? And I scrolled down through and one word popped out to me and it was fatherhood. Uh, and you know, you got, you're looking at it and you go, man, that's like a coincidence. <laughs> Unless you believe in God and that kind of stuff. And then, uh, which I kind of do, but um, I'm just, uh, this fatherhood thing has been on my mind a lot, obviously, for the last couple of weeks. First of all, my dad, all right, you know, as you're sitting by your dad's hospital bed, and a lot of memories go through your mind, don't they? Some of you have gone through that. Also, I'm a dad. <laughs> Ta-da. I've been one for like over 26 years. Uh, and a lot of things I've said and done as a dad, I can look back, you know, and I thought about, my dad taught me that. Like how do you love your wife well? He taught me how to do that. How to love your family, how to hold on to Jesus, how to face tough circumstances. My dad taught me that. Then I have a son, his name's Jordan, right? It's an awesome picture. But anyway, uh, I also have a daughter, Allison, and I'll talk about her more later, but this is a man series, so go with this, all right? So, um, and I thought about the characteristics and traits my dad handed me, and I was just wondering, I really was, I was saying, you know, 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years from now, and maybe I'm in a hospital bed, and Jordan's sitting in a chair, and it's just the two of us in a room. I wonder what he's going to be thinking that I, I handed him. And the other reason I've been thinking about fatherhood a lot is this, about the same time I found out my dad would be heading to heaven sooner than later, we found out that on September 6th, my son Jordan is going to be a dad, all right? So there he is, she is, right there, all right? Grandpa, go ahead and say it. He's a grandpa. Shut up. All right, but um, it's, on, it's been on my mind a lot lately. And here's the thing. Is that this whole man series that we've been doing, this reverse engineering, that it's really, really important tonight. Not just to me, but it needs to be important to you. You know, no matter where you are in, in, in life, all right, is that everybody in this room fits into one of the, these categories, all right? Uh, and uh, if you don't, then there's a bigger problem. But everyone in this room either has or had a father, Right? I mean, it's like, that's why you're here, biology, right? right? You have or ha- used to have a father, or you are a father, a lot of us are our fathers, or someday you will be a father. And then looking back at those categories, those three categories, the first one, everybody has or had a father, that can go one of two ways. You had or you have a good father, or you had or you have a bad one, right? That's just reality. But either way you answer that, two things are true. First of all, it affected you, for good or bad, and you can't change your dad. You can't change your past. I'll talk about that more in a minute. But the other two categories applies mostly to the men and boys in this room. You, you currently either are a father or there's a good chance in the future you will become a father. And those descriptions of, of good or bad describing you are both still up for grabs at this point. Meaning it's still being decided. It, it's still being written, right? And, and, and it can be changed no matter what's going on. For better or worse, how you are as a father could change for better or worse. Here's the other thing about the present and the future. And we hold on to this truth that Jesus taught. We try to hold on to all the truths Jesus taught, but this one really, really, really tight. Something Jesus stressed a lot and gives everyone in this room hope. I'll set it up. One time Jesus had just taught some men some really, really, really hard truth. And they looked back at him and they went, like, what are you talking about? 
because they could not even believe that what Jesus, what you just said, could ever fit into my life, my personal situation. It's just, it's just impossible. And you remember what Jesus said back to him? He agreed with him. You're right. What I just taught you, what I just told you to go and, and do, it's impossible. But he didn't stop there. He went on. Remember this? Jesus looked at him and said, you're right. With man, it is impossible. It is impossible. But with God, let's just say it all together. One, two, three. All things are possible. So while it's impossible to change the past, it is possible that no matter what's going on in your life in the past, no matter what's going on even tonight in your life, and please hear this, nobody's throwing stones at you or judging you, all right? But the truth is, according to God, from this point on, you can be, or you can start be, or you can start moving towards being a, a better person, a better father, a good father, a better man. Now, here's the thing. What, what most I want to talk about tonight is going to be addressed to fathers, but I want to talk to several groups in this room, and I'm going to give a lot of disclaimers before we start this, so that if and when you hear something, you don't immediately tune me out. Because you sit there and go, well, you know, that, that didn't really apply to me in my season of life. Or, or maybe what I say, God said this, and you can look at your life or somebody else's life, and, and, and you can sit here and legitimately say, I tried that, or they tried that, and it didn't work. I agree. I have some of those in my life, too. But let me just say this. I, I'm, I'm going to say some really hard stuff tonight. Really, really, really tough stuff tonight. All right, that's why there was a parental warning up there, right? But even if you don't agree with what I say or how I say it, just agree with me on this. Before you write me off or or throw stones out or throw, throw, throw it out, you know, here's what you need to ask yourself tonight. Is there some truth in there I can walk out of here with? You don't have to agree with me on all this, all right? You don't have to like me, all right? But, but just ask, is God trying to teach me something in, in tonight, all right? The second thing is this, and I've already said it, but I'll say it again. You cannot change your past. You cannot change your past. What you've done wrong in the past or what somebody else did wrong to you. You're right about it. It was wrong and they shouldn't have done that. It just doesn't change anything. See, there are some prayers that I know God's answer will be no, no matter how much you ask him and beg him and have faith, all right? Like this, dear God, give me a different childhood than the one I had. No. Right? We pray stuff like that. God, make yesterday not happen. No. The answer is no. It it happened, right? But what God will say to you is this. The sins and mistakes of the past are all forgivable. Even though there's repercussions in this life and fallout and consequences for those past decisions. In some areas of our life, not all, but in some areas, the big areas, there are no do-overs. But he would also say this. Everything is forgivable and everybody gets up from this point on. Everybody gets it from this point on. You can't change your past, but you can from tonight on have a different future. Let me add one more thing. I just threw this in right before my talk tonight. But I remember that I was talking to my aunt last week at the funeral. And my aunt had a, had a daughter who had a baby out of marriage. It happens, okay? So she, her, her daughter got pregnant outside of marriage. And, and so we were talking, we were sitting in my mom's living room, and we were talking about the stupid things people say to people going through stuff like this. And if, you, if you're one of these people... Pay attention and take notes and shut up. All right, so here it is, all right? People ask questions like this. Do you wish it was different? Do you wish you could go back and change the past? If you're one of those people that ask questions like this, I'm just gonna be really honest with you tonight. I'm gonna be really blunt tonight. You're a really insensitive idiot. And here's what I mean by that. What you're saying is, if you could, would you give your child back? Or give your grandchild back? And that's just dumb. Stop asking that, right? No matter how a baby gets here, that child or your grandchild is now your child and your grandchild and you love them and God loves them and God wants them here to so take good care of them. But please, if you're one of those people, stop it, 
okay? Write that down. That may be the best thing you ever heard in church. Now, third thing, all right? And this one, you got to follow this away. That was nervous laughter. It's like, I say that all the time. All right, so <laughs> to follow this one away, right? You can do everything right, and there are no guarantees. How's that? You can do everything right. Everything the Bible tells you to do, and there are no guarantees that everything will turn out the way you hoped or planned, including, top of the list, your marriage, followed by your kids. See, I hear this all, all the time from, from a lot of parents when their kids blow up their life. They look at me, and they're like, Pastor Jim, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong that my kids did this? And, you know, sometimes I can look back at them and go, that, that's easy. Where do you want to start, <laughs> you know? We start with your affairs, your selfishness, your bitterness, your absence. You're just absent, your abusiveness, your addictions, and you're just a really horrible person. No wonder your kids are a mess. That's what I say inside. But, <laughs> right? You do too. Don't throw stones at me. But most of the time, most of the times I look, I, I look back and I, and I say to parents, okay, listen, your kids are humans too, Right? They're human beings who have to work out their own stuff with God just like you do and every other person on the planet does. And no matter what choices and opportunities and what you've done as a parent, all of us are free to reject it and go our own way. All of us, all right, are free to, to, to turn away from God or turn away from you or whatever that is and do our own thing. So parents, moms, dads, stepmoms, stepdads, keep this in mind. There are things that God expects of you, like you follow Jesus and point your kids towards him. And there are things that God does not expect of you, like be your kid's savior. That, that role has been filled, and you are not qualified, right? All God tells you to do is be faithful with what you know God has told you to do, and allow God to do what only he can do in your kid's life, and try not to get in the way as he tries to do it, okay? That's all set up. Last chance to go for the doors. Don't, you got to stay for the rest of it if you're going to stay at all, right? Otherwise, go on home now. But we're going to pick up right now where Scott left off in Ephesians chapter 6, all right? Ephesians chapter 6, here we go. Children. <laughs> Let's just start real light, kids. All right, all right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, let's just stop right there. Just like last week when Scott was up here, I want to say the same thing. There are certain verses addressed to certain groups of people in the Bible and in this room. And if this is not addressed to you, you don't have the right to rip it out of the Bible, use it as a weapon, and build a case against people that it is addressed to who you don't think are doing a good job at following it. In other words, I want to talk to children, not parents. All right? So don't use this against your kids later, all right? And by children, I'm saying this. I'm talking about people that are typically under the age of 18, but maybe, you know, still in college. I'm about you're dependent upon your parents, your mom, your dad, your step, you know, whatever, or guardian, for food and shelter and finances. I'm talking to you tonight, right? Rather, God, here's what God is saying to you. Ready, kids? When your parents or your guardians tell you to do something, Unless they're telling you to commit a sin, do it. Do it, thus says the Lord, all right? Don't, don't do it because if you don't do it, you'll get in trouble or get punished. Don't, don't do it because, well, I like that, so I'll do it, or I understand. I agree with you, Mom, of course I'll do it. Don't do it because it's convenient or fun. No, God, God is telling children who are dependent upon their parents to obey their parents because it's right. It's right. And by right here, it not just means right as in righteous, and righteous means it lines up with what God says is right. So don't sin, but if God says it's all right, you should do that. But it also means something bigger. It means justice, because this is justice. As in, and we talked about this a few months ago, if you'll do this, if you'll obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right, God is going to do something in your life now, as a middle school student, as a high school student, to ensure that you have what you need later in life. Right? And, and justice means 
Everybody deserves to have certain things in this life. God says, I'm setting you up for a better life now if you'll obey your parents now. Now, you'll have a better life later. Look, and say, well, what do you mean by that? Look at the next verse. The guy writing this, his name is Paul. He refers all the way back to the 10 commandments that were written over a thousand years before this. Look at this. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, I'll explain that, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. He's talking to kids. And here's what he means. He says, if you read through the other nine commandments, they're, they're pretty much just that. They're commandments. Do this, don't do that. If you break it, you're going to get in trouble. That's really the other nine commandments, all right? Bad stuff will happen. But with the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, there's a promise attached to that commandment. Do this, honor, obey your parents, and your life, kids, your life will be better. Better. Not easier. Mm-mm, no. Not, not, not every day is a party and it's fun at my house. No, no, no. Better. Maybe not today and maybe not even tomorrow, but later. God says, if you'll do this, I promise it will pay off for you down the road. I promise. And I keep my promises. Let me just, again, I'm just talking to kids tonight, right? Let me ask you the same question Scott asked last week. Hey, what do you think God's plan is for you? Well, what do you think God's agenda is for, for, for your life? Do you, do you think God is this big party pooper in the sky? He's trying to, well, she's having too much fun. I'm gonna spoil that. Do you think God has something really cool behind his back that he doesn't want you to be, have a part of? Do you think God looks at you and thinks that you're just some unimportant, stupid, you know, dumb kid, right? You've been put on the earth to, to, to be a slave to your parents. Do you really think that's the way God is? No. See, see, Jesus said that he came so you could have a better life. He wasn't talking to your parents. He was talking to you as well, an abundant life. So that means God has an awesome life in mind for you. So go back to that shooting you know, analogy we used a few weeks ago. God has a target. God has a bullseye. God has a life in mind for you. And you can't see it from where you are because you're only 13, but he has it for you. And he's gonna use all the things in your life, including and especially your parents, even if you have horrible parents, to line up your shot. That, that, that's what he says. He's made a promise and I will do it. And I'll use anybody and everything I have to get you there. I'll, I'll give you an example of this, all right? I, I was a, before I did this, I was a youth pastor for like 20 years. And a lot of times in the course of my youth ministry, I, I'd have some high school boy end up in my office, usually because his parents made him, but he would go off on his parents. You just wouldn't believe my parents. They make me do this. And my dad's bossing around, trying to run my life. All the time they're yelling, you know, get off the couch and do your homework and clean your room and get a job and be responsible. I can't wait till I turn 18 and I am out of there. I'm like, yeah, what are you gonna do then? I'm joining the Marines. That'll be, that'll be much easier. Yeah. <laughs> right? Hey, he heads up, kids. All right, all right. God loves you. All right? God loves you and God will use your parents. And if you won't listen to your parents, God's going to use a drill, drill sergeant. And if you won't listen to the drill sergeant, God will use a cop or a judge. But the message is the same lesson. And if you want to survive, then here's, here's the lesson, all right? If you want to survive, survive in this world and have any hopes of having a better life, here's a message from God. Get off the couch, do your homework, clean your room, get a job, and take responsibility for your life. But understand, God has been trying to teach you that since you were eight. And it's much better to learn it when you're a little kid. It's much better than learning it like some of us have had to do as lazy, uneducated, messy, unemployed, irresponsible, incarcerated adults, right? See, that was a nervous aim. Yeah, I think so, yeah, uh, <laughs> God's not stupid and neither are you, right? Kids, if you want to have your best shot, best shot at having what God wants for you in your life and what you need in your life later, here it is, ready? Obey your parents and the Lord. It's right. It'll work out for you. Now, 
I'm not talking to kids anymore. If God tells kids to obey their parents because God is going to use those parents to build into those kids, guess where all the pressure and responsibility and accountability is going to land? Let's look at the next verse, all right? Verse 4. Fathers, here we go, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, let's break this down in a part, all right? First of all, we just read that children in, in the Ten Commandments, they're supposed to obey their parents, both their mother and their father. That's the fifth commandment, right? But then right after saying that in the same breath, Paul directs the next sentence to who? Fathers, okay? Honor your mother and father. I want to talk to fathers, right? Now, there's some versions of the Bible floating around out there, right? They're trying to be more politically correct and gender neutral. That They've actually gone into the Bible and they've changed that word. They've changed the word fathers to parents. Which, for the record, read the last chapter of the Bible. Don't do that. There's millstones involved and hell. And it's just bad, all right? So, so don't add words and take away words from the Bible just because, you know, it's more politically correct, all right? Don't, don't, don't do that. And, and I'm sure... All right, I, th- I think I'm safe here saying this. Now, I'm sure that, you know, God doesn't want moms to ex- exasperate their children either. But for some reason in this whole section on marriage and family, Paul specifically and intentionally uses the word fathers, as in fathers in this whole family raising kid things, I, I need to talk to you. Specifically, because I know you, and more importantly, God knows, you have the potential and the unique position to mess this up on a whole different level so dads, do not exasperate your children. And all the dads in here are going, all right. That's what you're kind of nodding at me right now. Inside you're going, well, that's exasperate me, <laughs> right? <laughs> just, that's, I had to look it up too. So here we are, right? For the record, it means this, exasperate. Ready? Do not put your children in a position now that sets them up for failure later. That's what it means. Don't set your kids up for failure now or for later by putting them in positions that they can't, they can't win in now, Right? Don't, don't put them in situations that leave them frustrated and bitter and unprepared for life. Don't put them in no-win situations. And again, this applies to both parents. But apparently, Dad, this role that you play in the life of your children is so important and so unique, according to the Bible, and has more potential to help or hurt your children if you get it right or get it wrong, that God feels the need to throw in a footnote. Dads, don't screw up your kids. Right? Because if you do, I'm going to hold you accountable. It's the same thing Scott talked about the last two weeks. When it comes to to families, dad, the buck stops on your desk. You're sitting here going, whoa, 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 that's not not fair. That's not fair. I mean, we signed up for this together, right? That's a lot of pressure. You're right. You're you're right. And if you go, I don't want that kind of pressure, great. Write this down. Don't have kids. (laughs) Don't, all right? I mean, don't, all right? See, that's one of the big takeaways of this whole last six weeks for me, and there's two more after this, all right? See, any man who's stuck through this series up to this point, ought to walk out of here not with your chest puffed out, not with your ego inflated going, I'm the man, all right? You should walk out of here barely able to breathe with your knees knocked together because you realize there's a lot of pressure on me and there's a lot at stake. How am I ever gonna do this if I don't hold on to Jesus? I think dads should just walk down the street mumbling this over. Help, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Especially if you have daughters. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. We'll talk about that in a minute. And here's a little extra for free, all right? Even with Jesus, being a husband and dad is hard. I don't care how much you love Jesus and Jesus loves you. I know myself, there's no way I'd ever made it this far without Jesus. So the big question I want to get to tonight, bottom line is, what's my best chance? Here's why I came to church. What's my best chance of not screwing up these kids, right? And here's the answer in the second half of the verse. 
And again, time out, understanding we started that there's a certain point where your kids take responsibility and accountability for their own choices and their own sins. You can't carry that weight around with you. But here's what fathers are commanded to do when it comes to your kids. Ready? Verse four. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Put them in no-win situations. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. All right, so there's two. One, you can exasperate them or you can do this other thing. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Dads, here's your best shot. Here is what you have to be aiming for to set your kids up for a better life later. Let's break it down. First, this is just talking to dads here, fathers, all right? Fathers, bring your children up. You, bring your children up. And that's an, that's an active future tense verb for all you English majors, all right? It means this, fathers, God is telling you to be actively engaged in the raising of, the bringing up, the training, the instruction, and the, prep, the preparation of your children for the future. It literally means dads feed your children the right stuff. That's what it means. You make sure your children have the right things and opportunities so they don't end up exasperated. Well, like, like what, what, what areas, all right? Well, let's read it again. Fathers, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Here's what God is saying to all the dads in the room and future dads in the room. And hold on because this is going to blow you away, some of us. But this is what God says. Dads, I am placing you in the role of primary trainer and instructor of your children in all areas of life as they pertain to me. Thus saith the Lord. Again, right? Mom, you're not off the hook. You're doing this too. But dads, according to God, ready? You're the primary spiritual thermostat for your home. And again, this is one of those big oh crap moments for all the dads going, what, what? how am I supposed to tell my kids or point my kids towards God and I don't have him figured out myself? And again, I got two voices in my head, all right? I have that, that really nice pastor side of me that just looks at you and go, well, you just keep running out after Jesus and maybe your kids will see that and they'll follow you. That's what I'll say to you. Inside, here's the real blunt cut to the chase side of me. You're right. So you better get your crap together really fast because your kids need you to play your, that role in their lives. Dads, you are the thermostat, as in you are the head of your home. Not you ought to be or you should try to be or you know, do your best. No, you are the head and you are either a good one or a bad one. And if that makes you mad or hurts your feelings, then I would suggest don't have kids. Because your alternative to being the, the leader of your home is dump your responsibility on your wife or girlfriend or cross your fingers and say a prayer and hope Jesus throws Jesus dust on your kids and it just magically turns out and doesn't do that. But fathers, you want to set your kids up, according to the Bible, for a better life later? Here are the three commands I want to unpack with you. First, you get involved in the life of your kids. What areas? Training them what God says, this is a better way to live your life. And instructing them. And literally, and we'll look at this next week, warning and discouraging what God says is wrong and encouraging and, and exhorting what God says is right and good. Dads, get some pens out, pencils, whatever. Take some notes. Let's break it down. You get involved in your kid's life. You. Please hear me on this. Raising kids is not woman's work. It's just not. A lot of people have, have believed that all of their lives, and here's why. Some people in the past have mistaught the Bible about this. Some men have abused Bible verses and used them as weapons against their wives and their kids, and women mistakenly believe them. Right? See, listen, children need good fathers actively involved in their lives. And if good fathers aren't available, then they need good men in their lives. And look around the room because the, the people that are nodding their heads the most vigorously are the single moms in this room. Because I get more emails from single moms than anybody else because they know 
I can do everything I can in the lives of my kids and I can do my very best and I can do it right and perfect, yet I still, still realize in order for my children to have a full, balanced, holistic view of themselves and the world, they need a good man in the life of their kids. And dad, you're at the front of the line. You're at the front of the line. Everybody else is a distant second. But if a good dad is not available for whatever reason, divorce, death, or they just deserted you, then good grandpas, I'm on my way. Good uncles, good relatives, you're next in line. Big brothers followed by, are you ready? All right, good Christian men. Good Christian men who are in this room right now who are part of this Flatirons Church community. We need you to come along single moms in this church whose kids are missing their dads. And that's a whole nother talk, but one of our main values around here is me too, meaning put your feet under my table and let's do life together. And if you understand that, I should never have to recruit for children's ministry again. We need some good men to pour into the lives of our kids. But let me talk to dads. Nothing compares to you. Nothing compares to you showing up and being in your son or daughter's life and nothing is more devastating when you don't. We're gonna get tough here, all right? You say, well, I can't. I can't be involved in the life of my kids because my schedule is so busy. And while you know, we don't have a, a much quantity of time when we are together, it's quality time. I'm gonna be really honest with you. I call bull crap. You know what, if, if that helps you sleep better at night and your kids are still young enough and naive enough to buy that, you go right ahead and believe it, but it's not true. It doesn't work, but you won't find that out for years down the road and then it'll be too late to get tonight back. See, it's not either or, it's both. Your kids need a high quantity of quality time with their dad. That's just true. And if you're too busy to supply that, first of all, you're simply too busy and you're doing the wrong things. And worse than that, and hold on, all right, don't leave. You're a bad Christian. And if that makes you mad, get mad at God because he said it, I didn't say it. It's too dangerous for preachers to say, but he said it. Read this, this is in the Bible. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, that's your wife and your kids, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And we're not talking about financial provision, although certainly included in that. But the best thing you can provide for your children's dad is you. And if you've chosen to do other things over, the, over being involved in the raising of your children, you've chosen poorly. And according to the Bible, you're in sin. And I'm not talking about things out of your control. I'm not talking about custody battles. And there's certain seasons of your job that you just have to be out of town, t- town, right? I'm not talking about things you have no choice in. If you could, you would, but you can't. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this. A while back, you had two deals on the table. One allowed you to be involved in the raising of your kids and one that did not. And you chose the one that didn't. You chose that. And I don't care how much money it pays or how much it strokes your ego. If you chose any option over your kids, you've chosen poorly. And if I were you, I'd go back to the table and make a different choice. So, so what part of my life should I get involved in? All right, where do I start? Let's go back to verse four. Fathers, bring them up in the, here it is, training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, you're to get involved in the raising of your kids in the training of the Lord. In, in other words, God looks at you and says, all right, I want you to teach your children. This is how God, this is how the Lord says life works best. And this is what it looks like, which for you means this, I'm your dad. I'm your dad and I'm gonna teach you. And I'm gonna train you and I'm gonna model for you in my own life. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus, especially in the big areas of life that tend to blow all of our lives apart historically. What are they, you remember? They're the same three all the time. Money, sex, and power. So I don't even know where to start with my kids. Money, sex, and power. Let, let's just hit them. I think we only have time to get through the first two, all right? Let's hit them. Dad, okay, you writing this down? Got a, dad, a lot of dads just going, is this over? All right, but hang on, all right? 
It's not even close to over, all right? So just hang on, all right? Dad, God expects you to teach your kid what, kids what God says about money. Money's not bad. It's neutral. You need to teach your kids what money can do in their lives and what money cannot do in their life. You need to teach your kids about priorities. Here's what God says to do with your money. Something, everything's important in your life. Not all things are equally important. If you have some money come in, all right, give, give part of it away to the things that God has involved in. Save the second part for the future and spend the third part. That's just basic, that's just good stewardship of, uh, for anybody, whether you live in God, believe in God or not. Dads, teach your kids about work ethic. Teach your kids that nothing is free. Hey, dad, you are not the bank. You're the teacher. Stop handing out money for nothing. Start giving them opportunities to learn and experience the dignity and the reward that God says there is in hard work. Dads, t- teach your kids to not be a slave to debt, to pay their bills on time, and to spend less money than they make. How do you do that? You, you do it yourself in front of them. You demonstrate this kind of life in front of them. And then second, you teach it. Then third, you create opportunities for them to do it. What do you mean? Let them see you write out the check that you're going to send off to Musana. Let them lick the envelope, put the stamp on there, or, or, or put it in the bucket out here, all right? Do that. Show them that we're saving up for that rather than putting it on a credit card. How about this, dads? Clean up after yourself. Pick up out your own dishes, all right? Pitch in with the laundry and, 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 and the dishes, right? Take good care of the possessions that you have, and then train your children to do that. I'll tell you one of the best things I ever learned as a kid growing up, how to iron. I am the best ironer in our house, all right? Ron was like, will you iron this shirt? Yes, I will, all right? I, I ironed all the stuff for our whole family for the funeral last week. He's like, yeah, all right? Dads, do that. And here we go. This is going to get heavier now. Dads, teach your kids what God says about sex. This could have been an entire message. This could be a whole series by itself. But dads, you are, not you should be or watch out. No, no. Dads, you are the most important primary teacher in this area of life. So whatever you do in this area of your life, that's what you're teaching. Whatever you do, that's what you're teaching. So what what do you mean? Well, dads, your sons will tend to treat their wife later like you treated their mother now. If you loved her, cherished her, served her, protected her, were faithful to her, or if you hit her or abandoned her or were rude to her or trashed her behind her back, typically, typically, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And that's not a hard, fast rule. It's just what usually happens, right? So dads of daughters, if you want to know how this boy that wants to date or marry your daughter is going to treat her several weeks or months down the road after the honeymoon's all over, watch how his dad treats his mom and and what this boy has to say about his mom because eventually he's going to do that to your daughter. And I know Jesus can heal and fix and forgive and mend all of our broken past. I'm just saying, pay attention. Pay attention. I didn't get spanked or smacked much, but one of the things that guaranteed my house, getting smacked, mouth off to mom. You were going down, right? See, if, you, if, you're, if you're a cheater, it doesn't matter what you said about cheating to your son or daughter. What you've demonstrated is, what you've taught is, it's on the table. Cheating is an option. Here we go. If pornography is a part of your life, most likely it will be a part of your son's life. And he will develop the same habits and lies that you bought into. And here's the lie. I'm going to say this as truthfully as I can. There's a category of women, usually somebody else's daughter, where it's okay to selfishly use them to satisfy yourself. I'm not looking for love or intimacy. I just want to do stuff to her. So if I can't have her physically, then I'll just rape her in my mind while I masturbate in the basement. That's what it is. Gloves off. That's what it is. I'm being truthful. That's what you're teaching. And that's what they're going to do. Because one of, if not the most important person in their life, you demonstrated and taught that. 
church attendance is going to go way down. But we're going to keep going, all right? So dads of daughters, two things. Dads, your daughters are surrounded by a culture that equates their value and their worth with the sum of their physical parts. To make matters worse, a lot of your daughters have believed the lie. They, They bought it. Make yourself look a certain way, and if you want a guy to love you, give him whatever they ask for or demand. Dads, teach your sons to value, respect, and protect women, even from themselves, their own wants and desires. And dads, protect your daughters from themselves and the irresponsible, immature boys that want to take something from your daughter but are in no way prepared or able to give her anything except maybe shame, regret, maybe disease in a baby that she's not prepared and doesn't know how to raise. It amazes me that I know men who would never loan out their cars to a high school boy, but they hardly look up from the TV when some 16-year-old stops by and wants to take their daughter out for a spin. Here's what I have in my notes. For the record, the rest of this message is very, very politically incorrect. Like, what's, the pa- what's that been? All right. Hang on. I remember, I remember a 16-year-old boy who had just gotten his driver's license came by to, and asked if he could take my daughter Allison, who's 15, out for a drive. So Robin and I kind of looked at each other. When he, when he finally showed up to take her, Robin looked at me like, you, you or me? And I went, I, I'll go. And so <laughs> Allison and this man-child wannabe, they took a drive. And I was sitting in the back seat making eye contact with him in the rearview mirror the whole time. <laughs> See, all you girls, all you high school girls, I hate him, all right, all right. So you say, well, wasn't your daughter embarrassed? Yes. Did I care? Heck No. <laughs> My dad's watching from heaven. I couldn't say it. But my point is this, all right? Dads, how about this? Here's, write this down. Here's a takeaway. How about you love your daughter at least as much as you love your car? Right? Do whatever you have to do to make sure, do- your, make sure your daughter doesn't end up wrecked, banged up, or total because some boy who didn't know how to drive thought I can drive, and he thought he'd try it out on your baby girl, and he crashed and burned. Fact, the earlier you allow your children to start single dating, the early they are, earlier they will experience sexual pressure. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, that's a fact. There are very few things. Here we go. There are very few things I'm willing to go to jail for. Protecting my family, especially my wife and my daughter, at the top of the list. Lock me up. I can look at my daughter and Jesus and a judge and that young man's corpse in the face and have no regret. I went down <laughs> finding to protect him. And I may be wrong here. Hold on, it gets worse. I, I think when it comes to my wife and daughter, when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, I think he was saying, kick both sides of that, boys. <laughs> but, all right, can I get an amen? amen? There we go, all right? Now, I know, whoo, all right, I know, all right, uh, Skinner, right? I know that that's probably not the right thing to say or teach. And I'm not telling anybody to go out and break the law, so don't take me to court, but come on. If you walk in on your, in, 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 into your basement, your family room, and there's some boy with his hands all over your daughter, his biggest need right now is not counseling and prayer. He needs you to rip him a new one and throw what's left in the front yard. And for the record, all right, our prisons today are not full of men who went to jail who are fighting for their families. They're full of boys whose fathers didn't. And again, I, I remember when my daughter was in high school and I was the youth minister when she was in high school. How's that? All right, right? So, and I taught a lesson about sexuality. And I, I was standing on the stage and I saw my daughter right over there with all of her girlfriends. And I said, listen, all, all girls are God's daughters. And if any boy ever tried to do anything with my daughter, here's the quote I used, all right? It's probably why I'm not at that church anymore. But I said, I'll hunt that boy down and I will cut off the offending member. Or the way Jesus said it, go ahead, make my day, all right? <laughs> Dirty Harry quoted him on that. It's in the Bible somewhere, right? 
Now, after church, when I got home, I was met by two women in my front hallway, my wife and my crying daughter. And my daughter was crying because she was convinced because all her girlfriends told her, nobody's ever going to ask you out because they're afraid of your dad. On the outside, I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry for embarrassing you and ruining your love life. But on the inside, mission accomplished. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And for the record, my daughter, Allison, did have several more dates in high school, all right, is now married to an awesome, godly young man named Ben. You've met him before who knows that if he ever screws up, I'll kick his tail and God's, Ben's godly dad. <laughs> we have a plan. That's the best thing you ever heard in church, all right? So now I'm almost, do you remember back at the beginning of this series? I told you a story about how when my son was two and a half years old, he came out of the house, got in the car for Sunday school and announced, I got my money, I got my Bible, I got my penis. Remember that, all right? <laughs> now, I was through the Bible and I, in Psalm 8 and later Jesus quotes this in Matthew 21. Jesus said, out of the mouths of babes, God has ordained, or, ordained praise, meaning this. This is the application for tonight. Wouldn't a lot of our problems have been avoided? Wouldn't our lives be better if we could teach our kids about money and debt wisely? Wouldn't that help? If we could teach our kids... What the Bible says about this is a better life. And if we could teach our sons to keep their penises where they need to stay till God says it's all right now. Bottom line, dads, when it comes to sex, teach your boys, protect your daughters. And if you're gonna fail in one direction or the other, be overprotective rather than underprotective. And if you don't understand that, you either don't have children or according to God, you're a bad dad. Or at least not the dad your kids need you to have. Because love always what? provides and protects all cost. Now I gotta stop here, all right? Um, and we're gonna pick up the rest of this verse next week and finish out what it means to teach your kids, you know, and instruct your kids and also what it doesn't mean. But I also next week I wanna spend a lot of time looking at a scenario that a lot of us in this room are faced with tonight. That's all well and good, Jim, but what, what if we've already messed up? What, 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 if, what if we've already messed up? You know, uh, uh, as, as a kid or as a parent, you know, I, I agree with everything Scott said two weeks ago, right? But what if you've already screwed up your marriage? And what if my marriage is beyond repair? Even if I wanted to fix it, it's not even an option on the table. What if I made some mistakes with my kids? What if my kids are already grown up and gone? They don't even talk to me anymore. Because I know God will forgive me and I know my past doesn't have to find my future and all that. But even if I believe that, what do I do tonight? What's the first step back towards a better life? And that's what I'm gonna look at next week, all right? I say two things. Come back next week. And there are three more services. If you know somebody this would be helpful to, bring them tomorrow with you. All right? Just, uh, not at 1045. Uh, here's this. I know tonight has probably stirred up a lot of emotions. Right? And for a lot of us, it, they weren't good ones. They didn't make us feel better. A lot of us in, there, we're, in here, we're angry and we're defensive. We even we're, we feel hopeless. Let me ask you something. All right, and you have to answer this yourself. Wouldn't you agree with me that we live in a really screwed up, broken world, right? And I'm not saying it's you, but wouldn't you say that a lot of parents are just overwhelmed, a lot of kids are just overwhelmed, and they've just given up on ever having a better life or better family, something better for themselves? And wouldn't you agree with me that not much or nothing that Hollywood or our schools or our government are saying I can help is having any positive effect at the root cause of our world's brokenness? Wouldn't you agree with me on that? And when you agree with me that even though you survived and you made it through all that stuff and that broken stuff we've been talking about in your life, when you agree that if you could choose, you would choose something better for your children or your grandchildren than what you had to go through? So how about this? Before you write off what God says is a better way to be a dad or a parent, 
Before you write off, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Before you write yourself off as this is impossible for me and I can never do that. The place to start is always the same place. What if tonight you just fix your eyes on Jesus? Just look at him, ask him to forgive your past, ask him to move inside of you and say, God, I need you to help me from this point on. Start being a better man, a better husband, a better dad. Men, it starts this way. Love your wife, teach your sons, protect your daughters. Let's stand up and pray. Let's sing a song and, and go home. God, I love you so much. But this room is quiet right now. I think it's quiet either from anger and sorrow or conviction and fear. God, there's sometimes I don't even want to get out of bed because life is just so hard and overwhelming. I just don't know if I'm going to screw it up or screw them up. Or I, I, I'm doing my best, but I look back and there's just... It's overwhelming. And so God, everybody has to have their own conversation with you, but I think a lot of us are saying, God, I need your help. Everything Scott's been talking about, everything God's been talking about, Jesus has been talking about, Jim's been talking about, I, I see it's a better way. I just don't know how to even start that. So God, the place to start is where you always say, it starts with your son, Jesus. Jesus, will you come and live inside of us? Forgive our past mistakes. I wish we could undo them, but that's impossible. So from this point on, we just take that weight off of our shoulders, fix our eyes on you and that target, that better life. Help us to make better decisions. Help us to be strong protectors and teachers and lovers of our family. God, uh, our knees are shaken and the only way we'll ever stand is if you'll prop us up. And so God, we ask you to take care of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.